welcome to the Back Row Cowboys Show, a proud part of the Back Row Sports Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Back Row Cowboys podcast. I'm your host, Adam, and across from me, as always, my co-host, Seth. Hey, what's going on, Cowboy Nation? Let's get it. Let's get it, indeed. And on today's episode, Seth and I are going to try to give you more of some personal opinion stuff. On today's episode, we'll be talking our favorite players, both past and present, on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. So we're we're excited to come back and do another episode and, uh, you know, just let it be a little more laid back on this episode. And um, to start, I think we should talk about some news that's happened in the NFL. There was a major signing this week that uh, directly influences a position that we're working on signing for our future. So, Seth, why don't you give us a breakdown on the player, the deal, and uh, how it affects us? Well, everybody in the world knows, you know, Patrick Mahomes got his uh, 10-year, $503 million deal. Like, it's crazy. Uh, That definitely affects us in a big way because not only – do I think me and you both agree that we're not going to get our deal done by July 15th with Dak. Uh, I think Dak wants more now. Um, and I think it's screwed us over for the next couple of years because I think we're not going to get a deal done this year and then we're going to have to franchise and then we'll have to go through the whole process again next year. Yeah, so to um, break down a little bit of what Seth said, the Dak has signed his franchise tender for this year. Now, after doing that, the team and Dak's agent had until July 15th to work out a long-term deal, or he was going to have to play this year under the tag. Um, with that only being – with that, that's Wednesday, and I think there's no way that we can get a deal done Normally, that last week, you'll start hearing rumblings of the agent and the front office together trying to get a deal done. We've heard crickets coming out of um, the front office. So, I don't see any way that a deal gets done. And I'm I'm worried about getting a long-term deal done. Um, I think his number a year goes way up. Now Jer- with the fifty million a year, Jerry should have settled. Getting. Jerry should have settled with that four years instead of trying to get the longer deal. He should have just went with that. Now I think it's put us in a deeper hole. Uh, you know, I, I think Dak what he was wanting, what thirty five or so. I think it's going to be more than what he originally wanted or rumors to have wanted. I don't know that it was ever confirmed that he wanted forty million a year, but it's going to be closer to that now. So, uh, yeah, it, it this deal, I think Jerry should have just settled for the four years and just taken it. But, you know, the good thing about it is at least he signed his tender. If he hadn't signed that, who's to say that he would have after seeing this deal? Yeah, I agree with that 100%, Seth. We talked extensively on our offensive breakdown episode about the Dak deal and how that would look moving forward. We both said that Dak looked like he took a little bit of concession on the money. You know, when the reports originally came out, it said he wanted $40 million. It looks like the last number that Dak was ready to accept was four years at $35 million, with the majority of that being guaranteed because he wanted to hit free agency again at the age of 30. You and I were both all in on taking that deal. 
he took concession on the money, so I think the front office should have taken a concession on the one year. You know, the front office was very adamant about five years. Dak was very adamant about four, and that seemed to be the major holdup, and we both thought that that was just crazy that the front office would let one year make this thing get pushed out with so much uncertainty. Yeah, I mean, I could understand why they wanted five or six years because who wants to pay a, a big sum of money for a player to have him four years and then you got to pay him again with the market going up. So I can understand it, but at the same time, now that I know what I know now, it definitely would have been better to just settle with that four and be done with it. Well, the one thing that you and I talked about is four years from now, this team's going to look very different from the way it is. It's it's constructed right now. You know, most of those offensive linemen will be at the end of their deal, so we'll probably be rebuilding the line. You know, those guys will be in their early 30s. Some will be in their mid-30s. So they'll be on the, you know, the downside of their career Amari's deal will be right there at the end if he's still on the team. CeeDee Lamb will be looking at being re-signed, and hopefully if he's the player that we both think he's going to be, you know, we'll be working on a longer-term deal with him at that point. Gallup, we have some um, conflicting thoughts on our receiving core in the future. You know I'm a big fan of having Amari and Lamb be the one-two moving forward in two years when – we can get out from under Cooper's deal and win Gallup's um, due to be a free agent. I know that you want to see Michael Gallup be there and, and you know, them let Cooper go because of that inconsistency. So, you know, that's why I was okay with the four years. This team is going to look so much different four years from now. Obviously, Zeke's not going to be around in four years. Just, you know, he'll be a completely different player four years from now, and that's just from him being a running back. So I didn't mind the four years, and then we would be working a rebuild being built around Dak in four years. Well, uh, if you settle for the four years, then that that uh that that seals your window, your four year window to get the job done. You want to get done because, like you said, you have all your players signed, and like you said, at the end of those four or five years, everybody's older. Then you're looking at rebuilding. So it would have just sealed everything, and you know it would have made us concentrate more on going for a Super Bowl and not having the distractions of, well, my quarterback's not under contract yet. So that it would have killed all that. But now we got to go into the season, and I don't care what you say. I don't care how you word it or whatever. It's in the back of people's minds, and it's going to be all year long. So now we got to deal with that. And that's a distraction. I don't care what anybody says. It's still a distraction. Even It might be something small, but it's still a distraction. So. For, for sure, and and one thing that we talked about a little bit before we started recording, you mentioned that this goes one of two ways. You know, we don't think – there's no third option. Either we're going to do well, we're going to win the division, we're going to go to the playoffs, and, and, you know, we both think that this team's built to win now, especially from the offensive um, – on the offensive side of the ball. If we do succeed and, and we go to the playoffs and we win a playoff game or two, then Dax – it, it, his stock has to rise, yeah. or if we fall, if we fall flat on our face, and let's say we go five and eleven, six and ten, then all of a sudden it's going to be in the back of everyone's head. You know, is Dak worth resigning? Is he worth 
building this team around can he get this team to the next level or is he just good enough to win a division every other year? Well, hell, I mean, it's also eight and eight. You know, eight and eight and missing the playoffs again. Like, all right, now we got to franchise you again and start the process. And then that, that don't do nothing but lower what you're worth. So, to me, it's it's playoffs or bust or it's not good for him. So, I don't know what they'll end up doing. Uh, if If it ends up being – I'm hoping it's not that route. I'm hoping that, you know – we're still doing podcasts or game previews playoff time. Uh, but if that's not the case, then maybe you do start thinking about uh, instead of going through this whole process, maybe you start thinking about replacement. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. Two, three months ago when we started doing this, you know, everyone was – a lot of the media was – filled with uncertainty from the beginning. And you and I were both like, don't worry about it. The deal's going to get done. It's fine. Dak wants to be there. Jerry wants him there. It's going to get done. And now we're four days away from it not getting done. And now some of that uncertainty that the media was talking about at the beginning of the year, it's now creeping up on the fans' mind. Because the reality's here. And – it's almost like Dak's betting on himself. And I know he wanted the long-term deal, and we wanted to give him the long-term deal, but it looks like he is betting on himself, saying that I'm good enough to take this team to the playoffs and do more to get that one last year and that little bit of extra money. Well, I don't I don't want it to sound like, you know, you know what I just said a minute ago, that, that I'm ready to get rid of him or anything. I like Dak. I like Dak a lot. You know, I think he's a really good quarterback, and the problem is they've – this year they have put him in the best possible position. The only unsure position, it may be the tight end position. And that's just because, you know, the one year that, that Jarwin did uh, start, he wasn't that productive until the end of the year. But then Jason Witten come in and it's kind of killed that momentum. But – now, like, you got CeeDee Lamb, you got Cooper, you got Gallup on it. I mean – How many how many more weapons can we – You know, you what more can we put in the pantry for you? You can't. There's nothing else. I mean, other than tight end. But Jar- I think Jarwin's going to be good this year just because – Jarwin's a good enough seam stretcher to where the guys that are going to be working underneath, they're going to have free space underneath because he is a good enough seam stretcher at the tight end position. Well, I, and the other reason I think he's so success, going to be successful is because of the fact of who is on the outside, who's in the slot. No one's doubling Jarwin. He just has no. to win one So he's got one-on-ones all day. So he should definitely have a breakout year this year. So, But, I mean, that's a different subject. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. But – well, this we, we covered year. we covered all that extensively on that yeah. offensive. You know, that offensive podcast was you know an hour and a half, two hours. So, I mean, trust me, we broke down every position in depth. Um, Seth, I'm going to ask a que- one question here. So, Mahomes is signed. So, probably the next the, the two big quarterbacks that are on everyone's mind with extensions both reside in Texas. You've got Dak, and then you've got Deshaun Watson. Who do you think gets signed first? And if Dak, 
is the second to go, do you think that that's a benefit or a burden for the team? Because obviously that would be going into next year because it looks like the Watson deal is being put off till next year. I hope it's Dak that gets his deal done first. Uh, you know, Mahomes, he's, he's like he's everybody's best quarterback in the league. It's like no question – you know, he's been the man since he's been there, and he's set fire, and it's, it ain't look back. Uh, if you get Watson signing his contract and getting close to that, then it hurts us. And Bill O'Brien will do it, too. So, because they're, well, yeah. they're going to have a lot of cap space next year. So they will have money next year to, to open up the checkbook for him. And Bill O'Brien will definitely pay someone – if he wants them there. So it'll go from Dak wanting $40 million a year to $45 million a year or $46 million a year. It, it, it depends how close Mahomes – I mean, Watson gets to Mahomes' contract. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. I think that um, – I think that they're both going to get signed next year for sure. Mahomes, it, it's so hard to judge that contract against every other quarterback in the NFL. Just because of what he's done in his, you know, his time as a starter. You know, he sat for a year behind Alex Smith. His first year as a starter, he came out and broke the NFL record for touchdowns. And then the year after that, he comes back, wins a Super Bowl, and was a Super Bowl MVP. So it's a little bit hard, harder for another quarterback that's looking for a contract extension to come down and say, I want Mahomes' numbers. Well, what quarterback has been that young and done what Mahomes is doing? I mean, I, I love Dak. Dak has one playoff win. I love Deshaun Watson. I think Deshaun Watson is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, but neither of them have done close to what Mahomes does just because he's got an MVP, he's got an NFL record, and he's won a Super Bowl, period. He's made it look easy. easy. Yeah, like, I mean, really. I mean, he – you know, that defense really put them in some big holes in the playoffs. And Mahomes just like, guys, don't even worry about it. I got it. Um, that's one reason why I'd almost like to see Watson sign earlier because I'm kind of hoping that Watson would come back in around what Russell Wilson has. And then we can kind of, you know, we can go to Dak, barring us winning a Super Bowl this year, which would be great. But, you know, if we don't win a Super Bowl this year, let's say we win the division, go to the playoffs and whatever – we can come back to him and say, look, you know, yes, Mahomes got his $50 million a year. That also came with an MVP and a Super Bowl win. You know, this is your body of work. This is his. You can at least, you know, argue those facts. Yeah. I I don't I don't know. I mean, I guess it's it, – if Watson comes in and signs a little bit lower, then I guess that helps. But if he signs, like I said, if he signs close, then it hurts us. So it's kind of one of those things, you know, I, I'd prefer to have Dak sign, get his contract, and not have to worry about it. Because, like you said, if Watson gets signed, then that opens up more problems, and it's going to take longer for us to get a deal done. But if he wins the Super Bowl, if he wins the Super Bowl, give him what he wants. Like for real. Well, we don't have that kind of money. We can't. Well, I'm just saying we can't, we can't pay him like Mahomes. Well, but. I'm just saying, like you know, we not might not be able to pay him like that. But you know, if we win the Super Bowl this year, pay the man, like because he's okay. He don't have the MVP, but he's got the same thing. He's got the Super Bowl as Mahomes got. So 
Well, you don't know. I mean, you could argue Dak's got just going to – Dak has a really good chance in the MVP this year. I mean, you look at what he did last year, and you add in, you know, CeeDee Lamb and this and that. So, I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, I, I think Watson's going to have a big year. So, I think that, that does really open up the chance for him to have – you know, to get that 40-plus million. I mean, if you look at his splits with Hopkins and without Hopkins, they're not that far off. Yeah. Um, and I think Watson could go back to that rookie year where he does a lot of rushing. You know, he runs the ball a lot. And, you know, he's talented enough that, that he can take, you know, non-DeAndre Hopkins wide receivers and make them look good. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, well, one last question on the DAG deal. This this ran longer than I think both you and I ex- uh, expected, but it's it's big. I mean, it's the most important position on the offensive side of the ball. And to have this much uncertainty about a player two months ago that we were talking about as a top-five quarterback in the NFL, you know, it's 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 nerve-wracking. We thought the deal to, would be done. Yeah, yeah, we thought it was going to be done, and it's a little bit nerve-wracking to a franchise. You know, we don't have a, another quarterback in that room – Andy Dalton, absolutely. He could carry the offense. Could we win some games with Andy Dalton? Absolutely. He is not the future of the Dallas Cowboys. No. So no, he if, better not be. If Dak's not here this time next year, we've drafted a rookie, and the uncertainty of a rookie quarterback is what we'll be dealing with. Yeah. All right, one last question. Seth, just give me a percentage. What's your thoughts on Dak being a Dallas Cowboy long-term? Now, we both said it's going to be the franchise next year, and we're going to be back on this bandwagon again talking contract. Where's your percentage? Is it still 100%? Because the first podcast for you and me, it was 100%, no doubt. I I don't know that I give 100%. Uh, Like I said, you know, a few minutes ago, it's going to – go down to what we do this year i think just because the weapons are there he's been set up the best way possible and he really is betting on himself so if he doesn't do that well then the cowboys have the advantage if he does great he has the advantage so give me a number 80 percent 85 i don't I'm going to tell you what, you're just a little bit higher than me. I, I am. I, I'm I'm nervous. Um, you know, I'd say it one more time. We were both deadlocked and sure that this thing was going to get done. I'm still optimistic. I, that doesn't sound very good the way I said it, but I'm still optimistic. But I, I'm going to put it closer to 75%. I am worried that they're going to try to franchise him again next year, which is probably going to happen. And it's going to put such it, – it's going to put such a, a bad disdain on that relationship between the front office and Dak. Well, just ask me that question the second week of February because I'm hoping that first week of February we're in the Super Bowl. So, Well, if we're in the Super Bowl, it's 100%. Yeah, it's there's, 100%. There's no way that he's walking – if we win a Super Bowl. So let's just plan on winning a Super Bowl, and this decision will be easy. So we're just going to go with that plan for now. But, Seth, let's go and get into um, kind of the the point of this episode. We're going to start on the offensive side of the ball, the same way we did our breakdown. So, Seth, why don't you give me your favorite offensive player? We're going to start in the past and um, give me your kind of – your first memory of that player – 
in case you go back to you know somewhere when when you were a kid or um, and what made them your favorite was it you know is it the fact that they're a Hall of Famer is it the fact that they were on the team when we were winning Super Bowls did they win some awards was it their community you know they're they're dealing with the community just I don't know if I have a favorite memory per se maybe be uh. What a game against the Giants when he had a broken shoulder come in, run for 150 yards. And, oh, yeah. yeah. Emma Smith, obviously. Uh, what's not to like about the guy? Uh, you know, all, Hall of Fame player, you know, all-time leading rusher, touchdowns, all-time leading touchdowns. Uh, what's not to like? I mean, I think he gets uh, discredited a lot because of how good their line was last year. And I well, guess you, you mean I just mean their like, line like, in general. Their line in general, you know, back then in that era, uh, he he gets a lot of hate from that. Uh, but if you watch the film, like, yeah, I understand it's easy to get ten yard carries when you're not touched, at, not even close to being touched at the line of scrimmage. But Emma Smith created a lot for himself. Well, look, you still have to have the vision and the footwork to open up those holes. There were some holes in Miami last year, and Kalen Balazs did not hit them. I, I'm just saying. I'm not comparing him to Kalen Balazs by any means, but I'm saying you still have to have the footwork to open that hole up, and you still have to have the vision to get there. Yeah. And he could – now, back then, they didn't they didn't demand uh, catching as much because running backs were used to run the ball, and that was it. Basically. Well, especially in our offense. Yeah. Well, I mean, any player back then, really, I mean, how many running backs were consistently catching 30, 40, 50 balls a year? But sure. I mean, nothing to this year. Yeah. Nothing, nothing to the NFL nowadays. But there were there were some offenses that, you know, they Util- trusted Utilized them more. For yeah. sure. Uh, but he was just the type of player that, I mean, he could do it all. He could go in between the tackles. He could go outside. He was never really fast, but somehow he was able to break long runs. Like, I don't know. He was just – he was the dude for me back then. He was always been my favorite player. Emmett Smith also is – in the fourth quarter, you knew when Dallas was up with that offensive line with Emmett Smith. It was just game time. Game was over. That's it. Because we would – our next drive would be eight minutes long. Because Emmett Smith would get five, six yards on every carry, and he would just he would tire a defense out. Yeah. And to give my favorite memory, my favorite memory is where we started the season. You know, Emmett Smith was holding out. He wanted the deal. Everyone wanted to pay Emmett Smith yep. because he was performing. Yeah. You know, and and for Jerry tried to you know he tried to say well. Hmm. You're good because of our offensive line. You know, we can we can put anyone back there and be successful. So we start, we started the season, Seth. What did we start the season at? Owen three. Owen three. Next thing you know, Jerry Jones picks up the phone, calls Emmett Smith and says, Okay, well maybe maybe you got a little something to do with our success. Signs the contract. He comes back and starts the next week. And, and that was it. And what happened that year? Super Bowl. Yep. I mean, Everybody says, you know, oh, I'm not going to discredit Troy Aikman or Michael Irvin or any of them because they were great players as well. But back then, Emmitt Smith is what made that offense. What's a lot like now? 
you know, I mean, the offense runs through Zeke. I mean, we'll we'll get to Zeke a little bit later. We're staying in the past, but that that's my favorite memory of Emmitt Smith because Jerry Jones has always been known for paying his guys. He's always willing to overpay to win, but for some reason, he just wanted to stick it to Emmitt Smith. And and we drafted a rookie running back that year, and and he was like, well, look, you know, we're fine. We're gonna we're gonna the rookie running back is is fine and. I'm not glad we started 0 and 3, but I'm I'm glad that Emma got paid and we came in and I believe it was eight wins in a row after he got yeah. back. And, you know, we ended up winning the Super Bowl and it and it showed some it showed a humility in Jerry Jones that he had he had not really shown before. And it's something that he needs to show a little bit more now. Is that it, you you need to credit the players a little bit more than you do. Well if just think of it as if they started two and one, not three and zero, oh, just two and one. Like, okay, Jerry's not picking up the phone. The Cowboys might miss the playoffs that year. You know what I'm saying? Like, look, I'm not going to talk about that. Didn't I don't happen. Wanna, I don't want to talk about that. We started zero and three, and then but, we won a Super Bowl. So, but yeah, uh, I mean, he's easily my favorite player in the past. Just you know, he was the leader on that offense. Like, he's, he's the reason why we won three Super Bowls. Jerry – Jimmy Johnson um, well, I, also did a fantastic job of putting that team yeah, together. Yeah, I'm we, – We had pro bowlers and future Hall of Famers all over that offense. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't want to – you know, I don't want to take his credit away from it either. But, obviously, you know, in the fourth quarter, just like you said, the fourth quarter come, who they look to? You know, Emma Smith was was the man. If you got him going, you know, it, Troy Aikman was a, a good quarterback, but how I mean, could he win Super Bowls without the without Emma Smith back there? No, I mean they all needed each other. Yeah, you know, we, I mean we, we had a great team, and to get back on Jimmy Johnson, I'm glad he's getting in the Hall of Fame. It's about time. It, yeah. it should have happened a long time ago. Yeah. So, anyway. Um, so who's yours? My favorite player in the past is Des Bryant. Um, Seth, you and I have been friends for fifteen. I don't know. I don't know a long oh, wow. time. Yeah. Um, you know that you know. I like you know. I'm big on my wide receivers, and I wanted Des as soon as he came out. I, you know, I was yeah. ready to trade up to one to get him. I knew we didn't need to take him at one. But if we didn't leave that draft with Dez, I was going to be pissed. Yeah. Um, a buddy of ours, Richard, um, uh, I've been friends with Richard since elementary school. He is a big-time Denver Broncos fan. And I remember we were talking draft night about how, you know, he thought that they were going to – he thought that they were going to get Dez. There was yeah. this – all the draft analysts said that there was no way he was getting past Denver. So Denver's on the clock, 22nd pick. I'm at my um, house, just and I'm sitting there just antsy about what's going to happen. And then they took Demarius Thomas. And so I just remember being excited, elated. I text you and Richard, and I said, yo, we're getting Daz. But we were back at pick 27. So I guess the, the front office started worrying on whether he'd follow us or not. So we traded up to pick 24. I was sitting, I was sitting in a chair. In my room watching the draft, and we drafted Daz at 24. I remember picking up the chair, and I, I, you know, slammed it down, and I was so excited. Loved Daz Bryant. Um, that was just my guy. I, 
I like, you know, you know, I talked highly about DK Metcalf when we talked about the offensive breakdown. Now he's Dez isn't Dez isn't nearly the athlete, the speed freak that yeah. Metcalf is, but I yeah. like the big wide receiver that can just go up and get it. Yeah. You know, just go up and get the ball, contest a catch. That was my thing with Dez, you know, when when he did in, it very well. In his prime, Dez was twelve hundred yards and ten plus touchdowns locking in. Oh yeah, without question. And yeah, I, I like Des too. I, I, you know, I was happy as well when we drafted him. Uh, you know, we needed that. I mean, big time then too when he come along and that that obviously uh, elevated our offense a lot. Um, I mean, you said everything. I mean, to show my Des love, to take it to another level, the year that he signed with the Saints and he tore his Achilles last day of training camp, which. I was, you know, upset at that because I thought he still said – I think Dez could still have a little something in the tank. Now, yeah. granted, I don't think he's an every-down player. But uh, he's put out some workout videos, and I think he could still go to a team and be a red zone threat and can still play some snaps. I, I definitely don't think that there are 96 receivers in the NFL – not 96, I'm sorry. Like, most teams carry between five and six. So we'll say 160. I don't think there are 160 – receivers in the NFL better than that. I think he, he'd be a hell of a red zone player. He'd be a hell of a good number two somewhere. I don't think he can beat number one coverage, and I think he struggled with that after the foot injury. Yeah. But I still think he could go somewhere and be a good number two or number three. But to get back on it, when he signed with the Saints, they put him on injured reserve. I remember that year after we were out the playoffs, I was rooting so hard for the Saints. I was too. To win the Super Bowl just so Daz would get a ring. Yeah, I was I was happy when the Saints gave him a chance, and then for him to tear his Achilles like that—that that just the last play of training camp. That that was just unfortunate, and unfortunate enough that he hasn't been able to rebound from that. Well, I mean, he has. You've seen the videos, and you know he looks really good in his route running. His catching's always been there, and but nobody's giving him a chance. Like, he's become an afterthought. So, I still think that he caught it against Green Bay. I'm uh, Well, us all Cowboy fans <laughs> feel the same way. So, I mean, I, I don't know. There was, still, there was still quite a bit of time on the clock. So, to say that we would have made Super Bowl that year, because a lot of people think that that was kind of our year of destiny based off some calls that kind of went our way. You know, the Lions game before that. Um, Aaron Rodgers still had plenty of time on the clock to come back and torch the defense. But uh, in my mind, he's going to always – it's always going to be a catch. Well, it's always it, – it, it's bad that it came down to that when all reality, the defense is the reason we lost the game. Yeah. Like, so – but to for that game to be remembered as the catch, I don't care what anybody says, it was a catch. But, you know, it is what it is. All right, Seth. So I think we've talked about our past players. Uh, my thing with Dez is I, I like the swagger. You know, I like the bravado. I like the playmaking ability. I I like alpha number one receivers. Yeah. You know, you and I play a ton of fantasy football together. If you go up and down my lineups, I don't roster very many kind of slot small wide receivers. I've got a lot of DK Metcalf. Unless they're flex players. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm never charting out Julian Adam as my wide receiver three, even though he carries that value. Yeah, you know, I'm just I'm always going to go for the bigger body, go get a guy. So that that's kind of you know my thoughts with Dez. I loved him in college. 
wanted him on Dallas. I thought he was a terrific playmaker the entire time he was there. It's unfortunate that we couldn't go further with him than we did. And it's unfortunate that he got cut down and had those foot injuries in the prime of his career. Because I think he was set to have, you know, a big, big time career. I think his uh, rap of being a – a disruptive player, I think it had a lot to do. And I don't think a lot of the stuff that they said was being disruptive was being disruptive. I think it was more so of trying to get his guys rallied and get them hyped up or whatever. But if you do it once, then the media labels you as the bad guy. So it always turns out to be that. Dez never tore the locker room apart. I no, mean, I, I love Terrell Owens. I mean, I just, uh, but you know, Terrell Owens kind of tore that Eagles locker room apart. Dez never really tore the Dallas Cowboys locker room apart. Dez wanted to win, and it's tough when you're a receiver. If there, let's say your offense runs seventy snaps, what's a really good target share for a wide receiver? An alpha number one, nine targets. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you can get 144 targets in a year, that's a really good, good, you know, number. You know, you should be able to produce with 144 targets. So that means you're getting the ball one out of every eight snaps. And as a receiver, of course, you're always going to think you're open. So I think Dez's thing is he always thought he was open, and he always thought when the plays weren't being made, when they weren't targeted to him, that, hey, had you targeted me there, I would have made something happen yeah. because that's what I do. Oh, yeah, and I think – if you look at it now, I understand. You know, as a team, you're not supposed to uh, blab about what goes behind closed doors. But how many players that you know of? Now, I don't know of any right off the top of my head that said flat out, "Des is a problem." It, it was always the media that was turning it into something else. Uh, he might have got a little frustrated, which, like you said, that's common, If, especially if we're struggling on offense and you're going on the other side of the field and not even looking my direction or even just throwing it up and giving me an opportunity. So I think that had a lot to do with why he's not playing now. I don't – like we said before, I don't think he's a number one anymore. Uh, and, yeah, he's getting up there in age. And maybe, maybe this year he would have been retired. But, like, last year, of course he got hurt last year, but it took so long before somebody finally said, hey, let's give this guy a chance. Yeah, it eventually just comes down to the point to where, you know, last year's uh, college um, wide receiver class, we really liked it. We both really liked the 2020 class, and I think the 2021 class has a chance to be just as good. Yeah. Um, but that's you know obviously we're not a Debbie podcast so we're not yeah. gonna get we're not gonna get into that. Um, so Seth, why don't you go and give me your favorite um, present player? And I think that uh, it's gonna be pretty close to your favorite past player. Yeah, I mean it's for every reason I chose Emmett. Now I'm choosing Zeke. Just when Zeke had that suspension for six games, it proved. Now, this is a different team. This is a completely different team now. But when Zeke's on the field, our team is a lot better. And it all starts with Zeke. If you can get Zeke running, 
that opens up the play action. That makes Dak's job way easier. And he can do everything. I don't care what you ask him to do, he can do it. He well, can. there are a couple people that said that Zeke's no longer a top 10 running back in the NFL. So I just, you know. I got words for that, but I ain't going to say them because we're, you know, we're a PG or a G rated podcast here. But uh, he can do everything. Like he can go between the tackles, he can take it outside. He's really good with the screens. Uh, you know, running routes out of the backfield. You he's, name it, he can do it. He's a really good blocker. You name it, he can. And that was another thing about Emmett Smith. Emmett Smith was a really good blocker as well. So I see them now. Obviously, uh, Elliott is a more athletic player than Emmett Smith, but I see a lot of Zeke or Emmett Smith and Zeke. Um, I think they're very similar players other than the athletic point of view. Uh, they can do everything. So, for that reason, without question, he's my favorite player Okay, currently. Now, I know your first memory. Your first memory of Zeke is going to be draft day. Look. At, this, at your – was it at your house or no, Richard's? it was at Richard's house. And me and you was fighting back and forth because you wanted Jalen Ramsey. And I wanted Ezekiel Elliott. And we were both dead set on it. Like, we both knew for sure that we was going to get it. And we knew that one of us was going to be upset. Obviously, it wasn't me. And, you know, I'm still happy about it. So, what's your take on it now? I'm happier now seeing Ramsey and kind of the way he is. And I knew he had I knew he had that in him. Um, you could tell from college that he kind of had that, that me mentality. I thought the corner was a bigger pressing issue, but I'll tell you what, I'm not going to complain about Zeke. Perennial, what? all pro. I still think he's, as far as pure talent, vision, footwork, everything, he's still a top three running back. All right, that's without question. And the whole, even if we had got Jalen Ramsey that night, I would have been happy with it. I, other than his mouth, you know, he he is a really good player. Uh do I think he would have benefited us more? Personally, no. Which was the reason why I wanted Zeke over him. Oh, so. def oh, definitely not. I mean, how many times, you know, when we were winning, when his rookie year, and even, you know, ever since, we win by controlling the clock, running the ball, you know, and Zeke's the perfect back for that. Yeah. Well, Zeke, you know, he put – he put running backs back on the map. You know, he was before Barkley. He was before CMC, you know. Uh, For a long time, not a long time, but, you know, a few years back, and even still to some extent, coaches have no problem just saying, hey, we'll use this running back for two or three years. They're easily enough replaceable that we can use this guy for two or three years and then find another player in the draft. I mean, it's very few teams where the running back gets that second deal. You know, yeah. Zeke's one of the few. I think Barkley's going to get the second deal. CMC obviously got the second deal. You know, Mixon is very uncertain, as talented as Mixon is. He's just in a bad, bad situation. Uh, and that's the, that might change with Burrow coming in. But Dalvin yeah. Cook's the same way. You know, Dalvin yeah. Cook is good as he was last year. Now, obviously, he's had some injuries. But just to get back to the point, you know, the NFL looks – you know, they just – Coaches and teams are more willing to to cycle through that position. 
Yeah. Whereas Zeke has shown that year in, year out, he's been a really good player. And for the people to think that to even say that Zeke is dropping off, I mean, sure, you know, he didn't have the break as many breakaway runs last year. But, Seth, we were talking the numbers for the podcast. I mean, how many total yards, how many rushing yards last year? If, if that's fallen off, then, wow, what was the bar before that? Well, if you think about it, you know, nobody touched CMC last year. CMC was just on a completely different playing field last year. I mean, he was in a league of his own when it comes to that. Uh, Derrick Henry had over 1,600 yards rushing, led the league in rushing. Zeke had more total yards. So, not okay, he only had 1,300 and some yards. I don't know the exact numbers right off the top of my head, but rushing, and then he had another 400 yards or so receiving and like 1,700 yards last year and finished second in the league in total yards. So, uh for people to sit there and say that he's uh, not even a top five, hell, I don't know who said that garbage that he wasn't even a top ten, but that's crazy. That is nuts. Like, they must have been sleeping under a rock. He was fourth last year in rushing yards. So, for everyone to say he, he he's falling off, Derrick Henry had 1,540 Nick Chubb had 1,494. Christian McCaffrey had 1,387. Zeke had 1,357. Exactly. So, I mean, for people to say he's falling off, I don't see it. And um, if you look at the – and like I said, the total yards, he's second on that list. So, on a team that threw for 5,000 yards, the what, he, what Dak was the number two quarterback in yards last year, he still finished fourth in rushing. So, for people to say off, and he had, and it was second in total yards. So, people to say that he fell off, go, you know what. So, I'm just going to say that. Man, the number two passer, the number four um, rusher, and, we, man, we just couldn't put points on the board. I'm, I'm hoping we'll be a little bit better in the red zone. Yeah. All right. So, anyway, uh, well, my favorite present player, I have two. One uh, just signed the big deal, and one we just drafted. So I'm going to have a 1A, 1B. Uh, I'm going to do a cop out here, and I'm going to pick two. Um, it is the wide receiver position the same way. Pat said pick two running backs. I'm going to pick uh, two wide receivers. I was a huge Amari Cooper fan uh, when he came out in the draft. Fantastic route runner. Uh, really good speed. He can break you down, and he can break down defenses in so many ways. You know, he can beat him with the long ball. He can win with the contested catch. I mean, obviously that's not a strength, but he can do it. But, man, he's such a good route runner. And to see what he was able to do when he first got to Dallas from Oakland, I mean, that's the player I, I, I still see him as. You know, a lot of – is he inconsistent? Absolutely. I, I It's hard to deny it at this point. And did he struggle with drops last year? Absolutely. You know, since he's yeah. been in the NFL, he's one of the um, leaders in drops, and and that's unfortunate. But I still think, man, you know, to to piggyback off that NFL rankings, he was ranked the number ten wide receiver. I mean, so there's still people in the industry that still think he's a stud, and and you know, I'm one of those people. I mean, obviously not in the industry, but you know, I, mean, I still think the kid can be a stud. I mean. For as long as he's been in the NFL, to be as young as he is, he's still 
just now entering his prime. Yeah, and, you know, everybody thinks he's been in the league forever, and he's. I guess he has, you know, five years or six years. Or what five, What would it be, his sixth year, I guess? Mm-hmm. He's only 26. Well, he just turned 26. So he is literally in his prime right now. So, and I, I like Amari Cooper. Obviously, he's not my favorite player on the offensive side, Mahomes Zeke, obviously, but uh, he would probably be my number two just because of the fact. In 2018, when he come in off that trade, he completely flipped the script as far as – because we didn't have anybody on the outside. You know, as Michael much, Gallup was a rookie. Yeah, and as much as I praised, you know, Zeke, I don't care how good of a running back you are if you have nine people in the box, eight, nine people in the box all the time, you're not going to be as successful. When he come in and started to stretch the field, that's when we went on our winning streak, and that's when we, you know, we made the playoffs. We won a playoff game that year. Then last year, of course, you know, Gallup, in his second year, he produced really well. Uh, Amari Cooper was still productive, even though, like you said before, the inconsistency was an issue. The inconsistency was very prevalent last year. The one game that Cooper didn't play was against the Jets, and we couldn't move the ball through the air. No. You know, Michael Gallup didn't didn't have 130 or 140 yards that year, and or that game. And I think it was he just, had like 60 yards or something like that. And for as bad as everyone said that Cooper was, he had just under 1,200 yards. Yeah, you know, I mean, he did not have a his. Once he was hurt, I, I I'm going to argue this until I'm proven wrong. Yeah, he I don't think he was ever 100 percent when he got back. So for a player that was playing. His snap share was so up and down. That long third, it was, what, third and 12, third and 13 against Philly when we were playing for the division, he was on the sideline. Made no sense. As your number one player, if he's 100% and ready to roll, why would he be on the side? Like, Devin Smith was in on that play. Even if he's not 100%, if he's healthy enough to run a route, he should have been on the field. Because he's going to garner more attention than the other receivers that were out there. He's going to garner the number two – I mean, uh, double coverage. You know, every play he's on the field. Maybe not every play, but you know what I'm you know what I'm saying. And he's the reason why Gallup did as well as he did last year. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about it once again on the offensive episode. We think that a lot of what makes Gallup so good – is because that alpha number one is beside him, and he's just so much better than most of the number two corners in the NFL. Yeah, and you can't – he wasn't expected to be a number one coming out of college. So Well, he was a third-round pick. Yeah, he was a third-round pick. So I'm not saying he can't never be a number one, but I'm saying that he's being really successful now because of Amari Cooper. Well, he'll never be a number one for Dallas. I don't know. He'd never be a one for Dallas, but he might be a number one somewhere else. We'll f- find that out here in the next couple of years. Yeah, for sure, because in, in two years, this wide receiver room is going to be different. Yeah. There's no way you're going to be – if if Gallup comes back with another 1,000-yard year this year, 
what's his price tag when he hits free agent in two years? It's not going to be what he's making now as a rookie. And certainly CeeDee Lamb, I think, is going to be an ascended player in two years. So the team is going to have to decide, is it Cooper and Lamb or is it Gallup and Lamb? And I'm always going to be on board for it being Cooper and Lamb because I think I still think that there is a ceiling that he has not hit yet. And he's shown you in small spurts that he can just take games over. Well, of course you would say that when you just said your two favorite current players or the two you just said we was going to keep. So, Well, I know I spoke a lot about Amari Cooper. I'm just going to go in quick with CeeDee Lamb. Amari Cooper is my pick. Yeah. I loved CeeDee Lamb coming out of college. Even the team has said that he was our number six player on the board. And they ran – I can't remember if they said you know twenty thirty mock drafts where they tried to include trades and kind of you know, there's always buzz that goes around this team's looking to do this this team's looking to do that so you know the Cowboys pay their front office and their scouting department and they pay them to play those scenarios out so we can, we can get a good feel of what the draft's going to look like and not one of those mocks did Lamb fall to us you know that that just shows what what. We thought of him as a player. Oh, I would have never thought, ever. I would have never thought that he would have fell that far. So, he was for sure my wide receiver one coming out. Um, I'm a huge Jerry Judy fan as well. I just think that this wide receiver class was just yeah. incredible. Um, but I think CeeDee Lamb has a chance to just be that top ten wide receiver in the NFL or more. I mean, obviously some of the guys at the top right now um, – Julio, Hopkins, um, maybe Devontae Adams. He's 27. Yeah, know. something like that. Yeah. No, he, he is 27. But, you know, maybe in three years he starts slowing down. I mean, obviously Julio's 31. So I, I think that there's a, a definite possibility that in three years as some of those guys are starting to slow down and they're starting to, you know, kind of, you know, fall back off that just, you know, where some of those guys are at that – he can take a step into that realm. Yeah, I think he can too. Uh, I was uh, excited about it. You know, we've said it before, who we wanted and who we got. You know, we was excited about CeeDee Lamb. We were excited about getting him. It just wasn't our top it, priority need. It wasn't, so, the, it wasn't the need, and I think, you know, the way fans – most fans are always going to look at need, kind of what you know, what hole do we need to fill? But I think as you take a step back, you know, from draft night, and you look and you say, "Wow, look at how this player plugs in." You know, I, I love that pick now. Yeah, I love the pick too, and I was Ceedee Lamb was my number one uh, coming out of the draft too. So, uh, you know, I was happy. We, I never thought in a million years, and. Hopefully he lives up to the hype. Um, I think that's another reason. Just to pivot back to Dak real quick, um, as you know, we we as we're talking these players, I think this is one reason why we both have said that we could see that thirty-five that Dak was seemed okay taking. While we could see that turning into forty, forty-one, forty-two, et cetera, because as we talk about this offense, you did a great breakdown of Zeke. Um, you know, I talked to Mari Cooper and I talked Ceedee Lamb, and and we've even sprinkled in some Michael Gallup. And um, there's so much firepower on this offense now. Yeah, I mean, it it's a lot there. It's a lot. So, 
to to say the the least, uh, you know, it looks like Seth's big on our two running backs. I love the wide receiver group moving forward, and and I love Zeke. Uh, we we both we we didn't want to piggyback off the same player. Yeah. Um, I think it would have been easy for us to both pick Zeke. I, I'm a big time Zeke fan, um, but I wanted to bring a a different perspective. Um, so that's the offensive side of the ball. Uh, just you know my my thoughts on Cooper. You know, you did a, a good breakdown on Zeke. What makes him my favorite is I still see that ceiling with him. You know, I still yeah. see the game against Philly where he just exploded. I, I don't. I mean now. You know, the multi-touchdown, 150 yards, you can't expect that out of any wide receiver. But I can definitely see, you know, 13, 1,400 yards, 10 touchdowns, and him looking, you know, like an alpha number one that garners so much attention that it just makes everyone else's life easy. So I think that's my reason for picking um, Amari Cooper as my one. And then CeeDee Lamb, that same thing. I mean, I think his ceiling is – is unlimited. Yeah. Um, just to kind of, you know, fill in that point of why they're my favorite. So, Seth, let's flip sides and let's go to the defensive side of the ball. Go and give me your favorite um, defensive player from the past. I'm jumping on where. I mean, what's the, what, what can I say that people don't already know in the NFL world, period? Not just as a Cowboy fan. Uh, he was just such a dominant player. Uh, in his prime years, he just he was there when we needed it. You know, every you know when we needed that big play, he was always there. He, you know, he was good against the run when needed. He was obviously great against the pass rush. So, I mean, for the pass rush. So. I can't really say nothing else. I mean, it's also his versatility. You know, yeah. I mean, we switched back and forth between the 3-4 and the 4-3 in his prime, and he was just dynamic at both. He could drop back in coverage, too. I mean, I mean, we didn't ask him to do that a lot, but he did it some. Uh, hell, his first interception, he was in coverage. I remember uh, – I can't remember exactly who we were playing, but I remember he dropped back in, uh, right there in the flats. That's where he got his first pick at. So is that your first memory, or is I, it? I don't want to put it to like one memory. Uh, I'm not like the type of guy that has like that one memory that just kind of makes this guy like he just made he made so many plays. So how can you? You know, bring that down to one. Down to one, yeah. Well, I mean, he's also, uh, you know, I mean, we talked about on a defensive episode. He's working with Tank now, you know, to to you know work on some of that stand up, and and he, that's not just with him. You know, he's done that with a lot of players now. A lot of people go to him and say, "Hey, can you know? Can you help me with my footwork? Can you help me with my technique? You know, we're moving from a four three to a three four. Um you know, and that's a big transition for a lot of people, and he made it look easy. So to know that, you know, that's who a lot of premier pass rushers will go to and ask for tips, it just shows how great a player he was. Yeah, and, um, you know, a lot of people say that when he was at the end of his career with the Cowboys, you know, he kind of – he was done. A lot of people are thinking, well, he's – you know, at the end of his rope, and it's time for him to 
hanging up. That's why a lot of people was trying to get that pay cut to get him to stay, and he wouldn't do it, and that's what ultimately ended up in him being cut. Well, he took but, pay cuts every year. I mean, every year when he was there in his prime, we were always under bad cap situations, and the first person we went to to restructure was always DeMarcus yeah. Ware. So that last year, he just said, I'm not restructuring. I've been taking the hit every year. I want every dollar that's owed to me. And I, I don't think – I don't know that it was necessarily the fact that he lost it because he went to Denver and he played across from Von Miller, another big-time defensive end, linebacker, whatever. Pass rusher. Pass rusher, period. And that was something that we didn't have at the time. When he his last years in Dallas, we didn't have somebody on the other side that was consistent that could – you know, take some of the pressure off. It was him. Anthony Spencer, the the one ten sack year, is the only name that I can think and, of that ever put up anything across from him. Exactly. And, and I think him re- reconstructing his contract for so many years and then they're finally like, hey. Well, that cap number that last year got up over $30 million, and it just showed that we – I mean, that whole era with Romo and, and, and him especially and, and Witten with the restructures, we were just really bad at managing the cap. Well, that was before Stephen Jones really got really involved in it. And now that Stephen Jones has really got involved, you've obviously seen changes. We don't do it as much. Or we might do a player, not three or four players. Well, like Travis Frederick this year – you know, back in that era, you know, because we're taking a cap hit for him retiring. Yeah. We're eating that whole hit this year. So next year he's off the books. So it hurts us this year, and it probably has hurt the ability to get that DAC deal done. But this is something that normally in the past we would have broken up over two years, and you would have seen it hit the cap not as hard, but it would have hit it multiple years. Yeah. This year we knew we had the money, so we said, you know what? We're just going to eat it this year, and then that way next year we're done with it. And then it opens up money for, you know, 2021. Yeah, and we had a really big issue with that back when Ware was there. And as soon as Ware left, what did he do? He had a 10-sack season when he went to to Denver, right off Jump Street. And if I remember correctly, he had a second one right after that. And I think his last year there, I think he was hurt. Uh, But – Regardless of he was very successful there. throughout his entire career until those neck injuries caught up for sure. Yeah. So uh, the problem is is towards the end we wanted him to be the Demarcus Ware that was in his prime. We yeah. never went out of the way to to you know put something across from him. Yeah, I was selfish myself. You know, I wanted him to be the guy we drafted or the the second or third year guy. You know, after we drafted him, where he was really his, you know, 20, what, 21 and a half sack or 20 and a half sack season or whatever it was. I wanted that at the end of his career, even though. It wasn't logical. It wasn't. Like, we literally had nobody across the line that was consistent enough to keep the pressure off. You know, they talked, you know, there were a lot of good, there are always going to be good pass rushers. I'm not even going to say back then. Um, Every year they always talk about sack record. 
DeMarcus Ware was always one of the odds-on favorite to break the sack record every year just to show how good he was at, you know, in his prime. And, and every player's, you know, look at uh, Robert Quinn. Robert Quinn had 11 and a half sacks last year. He came out of nowhere, and it's just because it was a good scheme fit, and we had someone across from him that could garner attention. And even though he was a little bit older, you know, more of a veteran, there was someone across from him to take some attention. We put way too much on DeMarcus Ware at the end of his career, but, but getting back on point with him, just in his prime, he was just a dynamic player. You know, he – he carried our pass rush single-handedly, and oh, yeah. he was still unblockable. Well, I mean, he had to carry it because we didn't have no other pass rush. I mean, I guess we had, you know, Ratliff had a couple years, you know, he was, you know, getting eight sacks a season. You know, we had a few here and there, and then Spencer, you said, he had the one ten-sack season. Uh, but other than that, he was it. He was our pass rush. If we needed somebody to get to the quarterback – at a certain point in the game, it was going to be him because there was nobody else there. Let me ask you a question. Is he a Hall of Famer? Now, yeah. He, he's eligible in a couple years. So, you know, obviously, I, Dez isn't going in the Hall of Fame. So, I mean, my, my favorite uh, uh, offensive player is not – I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. I just – I grew up with a lot of good memories of Dez. And, obviously, Emmitt Smith is in the Hall of Fame. So, you, you think DeMarcus Ware, easy I, Hall of Fame? Easy, without question. Okay. I don't think there's any question about it. I'm not arguing with you. I, I want to see him in the Hall of Fame. I want to see as many Cowboys in the Hall of Fame as well. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree. He's easy Hall of Fame. I just I wanted to ask the question. Um, what about your favorite current player? Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith. I mean, it's to go through what he went through uh, – the fact that we got him the way that we got him, he has done nothing but amazing for us since he's, you know, since he started playing for us. There, there were a lot of people that when we took him, there were doctors that thought he would never get back on the field. Period. That shows right there that the risk that we took taking a, a early second round pick. Wasn't a first, but it was a very early second round pick. Uh, what is it, the thirty sixth pick, maybe? Because we well, we had the one four to one five with Zeke. We had one pick, four with Zeke. Because right, so uh, Jalen Ramsey went, he went one five to. Jackson. All right, so that tells you how early the second round pick was. To take that risk on a player that doctors said that he would probably never play again. And look in the look at the player he is now, Pro Bowl player. With Sean Lee playing less snaps, I think he's still the captain of the defensive locker room. But I would say of the guys that are going to be on the field when the snaps are big time, you know, yeah. let's say fourth quarter, another team's driving, we're probably going to be playing in the nickel, especially if like we're ahead and other teams passing. I think the vocal leader in the huddle. When everyone huddles up and they're they're talking defensive plays and this and that, I think that's going to be Jalen Smith. Yeah. I, I, so I think he is the defensive. I don't. Jalen Smith never leaves the field in my book. I don't. I don't care what package you put out there. If it's a one linebacker package, he's going to be the guy out there. I love LBE. 
you know, I'm a big fan of LVE, but Jalen Smith, he's, you know, he's really good at blitzing the passer. You know, he can tackle really well. He's not, uh, he's not your bigger linebacker. So he does struggle a little bit when you know when he get somebody gets his hands get their hands on him. He does struggle a little bit to get off the block, but he's just all over the field. Like I think he's really good at every aspect. Other, I think he's a good cover guy. I think he's a good tackler. Obviously, a good blitzer. Uh, he's I, and we got a lot of new faces on our defense too. So it's it's not many guys that we could choose from here, uh, other than LVE. And then I guess I don't know if Sean Lee would be considered a tank. Talk tank. Tank. I mean, yeah, I like tank, but I like Smith better. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I guess we'll – my favorite former player, uh, this was pretty easy for me. Uh, I love DeMarcus Ware, but my 101 would be uh, Darren Woodson. And and that's why I went DeMarcus Ware, for the same reason that you went Cooper and not Zeke, so we wouldn't so – we, So we'd have – I loved Woodson. So we I'm have a, more than one player to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, I um, – we de- we'll debate with our friends a lot, you know, and we'll talk, you know, best defenses and kind of what made them tick. And if you look in, like, the last 20 years, we'll just go back 20 years, um, the best defenses had a playmaking safety. If, yes. if you look at – even when we ran the Tampa 2, um, I think one of the reasons why the Tampa 2 didn't work as well for us is because we didn't have – a John Lynch um, back there. If you look at Baltimore's defense, I think Ed Reed is probably the best safety of all time. Now, that is a huge I would topic agree of with argument. That. I would agree with that. A lot of people are going to say Ronnie Lott. Uh, Ronnie Lott was a terrific player. Rod Woodson's another one um, that a lot of people would say played corner, then moved to safety at the end of his career. Yeah. Um, Troy Palomalu, obviously. That, that, that's the big debate is, yeah. is Palomalu and Reed – I liked Reed's ability to play the middle of the field, to get that big turnover when needed. And and I think Darren Woodson had that playmaking ability from the safety position that we haven't even sniffed since he's been gone. Man, who are you telling? (laughs) Man, we have not had a safety that has made any kind of name for itself since he retired. I mean, who was our next close safety? The next best safety as far as making that big playmaking ability was Roy Williams. Exactly. And he can he couldn't guard anyone. Nobody. But he would he would jump in front of a pass, pick it off, or he'd knock the ball loose from a running back. Oh, uh, he could lay the wood. But as far as you know, Woodson had no problem covering tight ends, covering wide receivers. He could do it all. Um, and I, I think he's super underrated when they talk best safeties of all time. Um, he's, I agree. He's never really even in the discussion. And, and my thought is like, what didn't he do that they did to keep him off that list? I mean, can't be Super Bowl wins, can't be playmaking ability. I, I, I maybe the fact 
he's overshadowed because of what all was on that defense. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't care. To me, he's one of the best safeties. Uh, and that might be us Cowboys fans being biased, but no, I think no. he's. I still think he's one of the best safeties of all time, and he should be addressed as such. As we do this podcast more, you're going to learn, especially about me. I am a sucker for a really good safety. Um, I think that the best defenses in the NFL always have that playmaker at that position, that that person that can just, you know, on any given that on a given pass play or a given run play can do something to just change the game. Even the Steelers, you know, if you looked at the Steelers from two years ago, their offense was dynamic. They just didn't have the defense to back it up. Yeah. They go out and trade a first round pick to the Miami Dolphins for Minka Fitzpatrick and and Miami moved him around a lot. It was slot corner, it was outside corner, it was safety. They really wanted him to be like um the honey badger. They wanted to move him around. And he even he even told the Steelers or asked the Steelers, I I, I don't know, but he kind of persuaded the defensive coordinator to just let him play safety. And look at how that worked. Look at how good that defense was once they added him. You add one safety to the position, and all of a sudden that defense is dynamic. I mean, they, they were creating multiple turnovers a week yeah. after they first got him. Uh, I want it. Like – we haven't had it in so long, man. We haven't had anybody. I think that we have some safeties now with those traits, but they don't have that whole package. No, I think uh, I like our safeties now. Uh, you know, Ha Ha and Xavier Woods. They're not Darren Woodson. Like it's it's like, and also another one. As much as you and I. We're not going to praise our divisional opponents. I know where you're going with this. There will be no bad-mouthing Sean Taylor on his podcast. Yeah. Ever. We Ever. Can't. I owned a jersey, and I'm a Cowboys fan. I was never a Sean Taylor fan. I, I'm not going to – as a player, I loved a player. The player was – he was a great player. It was just where he ended up and where he came from before that. Yeah, well, because you're, you're a Tech fan and a Cowboys fan. I'm a Virginia fan. Tech fan, too. So, Miami and then to the Redskins, that's just like – Well, really? look, I, I rooted for him from – I rooted for him from the minute he got drafted from the Redskins, mostly because he wanted to be in doubt. Like, he yeah. came out pre-draft and was like, oh, you know, I'd love to be a Cowboy. And we wanted him, but Washington took him before we were on the clock. Um, and I think he would have been – he would have been in that all-time discussion. He would have been up there with the Ed Reeds and Palomalus and all, without question. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I don't like. I I'm not saying I didn't like the player. The player was great. I just didn't like who he played for. So. Well, there's going to be no bad mouth on him. Nothing but but praise on this podcast. Yeah. I, I love Sean Taylor. Yeah. Um, this for the same reason I loved Darren Woodson. You know, to to get back on topic, I think that. If you can get an X factor at that position, it, it just it changes things so much. Well, we haven't had a player back there that we one hundred percent trust to just leave. I'm gonna set you here in the middle of the field. You take care of business. 
We haven't had that. So, and even though we see the traits in Xavier Woods. Xavier Woods is not the hitter that Darren Woodson was. And and that's one reason why Woodson needs to be in that top safety all time. It wasn't just the playmaker. It just wasn't the interceptions. It just, you know, it wasn't just as a coverage book. You come, you came across the middle on him. You were going to feel his presence. Yeah. Oh, no question. I mean, he's he's uh, Cam Chancellor. I mean, he was another go hokey. He just, you know, he just his career ended early because of injury, but. His was neck injury also. Yeah. I mean, and, and so, that that was, you know, Woodson was, you know, neck injury too. And that's that's one of the sad things about the game. You know, it's a, it's a hard-hitting game. It's a physical game. And, and you notice, you know, there's people that go across the middle a lot. I mean, there's a pattern there. Yeah. Um, anyway, back on back on topic. Um, my favorite current player, I, I'm, I'm going to go with the linebacker you didn't talk about. Uh, LVE, he would have been my pick. Even if you pick Jalen Smith, this wasn't one where I pivoted. I, I man, love LVE, the the Wolf Hunter, yeah, um, the the seek and destroy linebacker. It, he can do everything. He can guard tight ends. He can drop out in zone coverage. He's not a great blitzer. We talked about that on the defensive episode. He's very awkward when he I, blitzes. I think I described him as goofy um, when blitzing. Um, <laughs> But man, his side to, his sideline to sideline prowess is just—it's it, one of the best in the NFL. His athleticism is top tier. Yeah. You know, he's and he is a guy that can take on guards. That can you know, just because you get your you know if you get your hands on Jalen Smith, he's swallowed up. If yeah. you get your hands on LVE, you still got work to do because yeah. he can beat the he can get off the block quick. Yeah, that's the only knock that I have against Jalen Smith that I will. Uh, give LVE and I love LVE. I mean, me and you talk about it all the time. We love both of those players, but that's the only knock would be the fact that Jalen Smith's a better pass rusher than LVE, but LVE is a, a better block shedder than Smith is. In the four three defenses, I'm talking just four three defenses. I'm not talking middle linebacker and a pass rusher on the outside. They've got to be, man, a top tandem. I mean, you could argue they're the best. I, they both got some injury concerns. Obviously, there was some neck stuff with LVE last year. Um, the injury concerns are always going to linger with Jalen Smith. It doesn't yeah, matter. Just, cause, how, just because of how severe the one yeah. was. Um, but if they're both healthy, what a tandem. Yeah. I mean, it's – and then, you know, you got Lee over there. As well, and he's he's no slouch. He just he's not every down guy. But I, I know but that as far as that, tandem goes, yeah. I know that you were thinking about Sean Lee when you were talking like favorite all time, but but he's still on the active roster because I know you're a big Sean Lee advocate. Yeah, I'm a. I I love a good linebacker, like that's that's, uh, my favorite position on the field. Always has been as far as defensive go defense goes. Well, you played and linebacker. I played, yeah, I played some linebacker. I played some defensive end. I played some defensive tackle. I played a little bit, you know, everything. Well, but when throughout, when, but when your team, when your school won the state championship, you were middle linebacker, right? No, 
I played on I played on a defensive line that year. Uh-huh. I was a defensive lineman that year. But uh, you know, going through high school I did play some linebacker. A linebacker was always my position, my favorite position. Just because of the fact that, you know, you always had the opportunity to lay the wood on somebody. Just defensive line is kind of hard to do that because you're so close to the action. Uh, but to get back on the topic, you know, if you're a linebacker, uh, you know, Jalen Smith, LBE, Sean Lee, I love all three of them just because, you know, I've always been a linebacker guy. So I always look at the linebacker as the leader of the defense. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. And I, we're definitely going to play more nickel this year. So you're going to see a lot of LBE and you're going to see a lot of Jalen Smith. I'm excited to see, and I think one of the reasons why we picked these two linebackers we're excited to see what Mike Nolan can do with them in this defense. You know, the Tampa 2, it's supposed to highlight your linebackers. It's supposed to highlight, uh, you know, Derek Brooks. Look at, you know, him um, and, and the you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when they ran the Tampa 2. But we could never get it all together with front line, secondary, and um, linebacker course. So I'm excited to see what we can do because I think – we're not complete at either of the other um, parts on defense. I don't think we have a complete defensive line. There's a hole on that yeah. one end position. I don't think we have a number one corner. So I think that this is the one group that's complete and can do a little bit of everything. And, and I'm excited to see what they can do in that Mike Nolan defense. I'm the same. And as far as the Tampa 2, I, I feel like Tampa 2 is a dead defense. I feel like I think unless you have four guys that can get after the quarterback because the NFL today is such a pass-heavy game that it's you've got to be able to generate pressure. And you, you and can't depend on four guys that's, always winning. That's the reason I say that because of the fact that it's it's almost impossible to have four guys on a defense that's – Other than San Francisco. Washington, we'll see. Washington's that, defensive line, at least on paper. On paper, now there's some young guys there that that need to to continue to develop. But you know, on paper, and what is two different things. Uh, Eagles also, just to throw them in, I think the Eagles have a really good defensive line, also. Maybe, but you just want to give them credit because they're I, Philly. I'm a. I don't know. You're, Maybe. You're pessimistic Maybe. against anyone that's not Dallas in the division. So. Well, I'm supposed to be. For sure, for sure. But you I know, but one of us has to be a realist. I can't uh you know I don't know. I ain't gonna give I give some, I ain't gonna give but so much. All right, so we, we got way off topic. I think um this was a little bit of a, you know, lighter, more fun episode. Um yeah, there's just not a lot of content out there. No. Um, so just to bring it back, um, you know, we're, we both – It's I know that when we were talking offense, we both doubled up on running back, doubled up on wide receiver. We, we you know, it's just – it's you know, I, I love dynamic receivers. You love dynamic running backs. And um, I think we both showed that we're excited about this defense. And even though there's a lot of uncertainty, 
um, there's a lot of potential because we've got some yeah. really, really talented players. And we, we wanted to just – we wanted to let you know kind of a – you know, an insight on us. You know, yeah. we we try to bring a lot of facts to back up when we talk on these podcasts. This is the first one where we've kind of really just you know stated our opinion and, and just our opinion. And you and I ch- said before this episode it was going to be a shorter episode. And I guess we just need to come to terms with the fact that when you and I talk football, there's no way to make it a short episode. No. So, no, but it I, is what it is. Um. You know, we wanted to get something out. You know, we don't – you know, we took four weeks – three weeks off. You know, we we don't want to take three and four weeks off. We want to keep this thing rocking and rolling every week. It's just – it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate with what's going on. There's just not a lot to talk about. Um, I mean, if you think about it, you know, our biggest news on this episode was my home's deal. And like, the uncertainty that it leads with Dak. So – but it was all because of my home's deal is like – how it affects that. Yeah, I wish know, he so. kind of waited till next year. It would have been really great to have that extension done next year. Yeah. But we want to thank you guys for supporting this podcast. Um we we can tell from episode one to our last episode, which was episode seven, that um we're really starting to gain some steam and, and we we're starting to pick up a following and we want to thank you guys uh for listening in every episode. We're trying to bring you know, some really fun content and some entertainment. Um, we're trying to improve every single week. I know last episode there were a lot of ums and ahs, and, and we're we're trying to get a little more consistent, and we're trying to bring a lot of fun and bring a lot of really good information to the table. And as, you know, continue, as you continue to support us, follow us on our social media accounts. Seth, why don't you go and give yours again? At SethRob85. And I'm at A underscore Bo 615. And, you know, if you any fantasy football questions, any Cowboys-related questions, ask us and we will do the best we can to get back to you with – we'll definitely give you our opinion, right or wrong. Yeah, 100%. Uh, we definitely have an opinion one way or the other on anything fantasy-related or anything Cowboys-related. And I'm just super excited to get football going as the days count down. I know there's a lot of uncertainty. I'm still optimistic that there's going to be a season. And I am I think that this team, you know, the, we've got a lot of potential this year. So I'm ready to roll. What about you, Seth? Yep, 100%. I've, I'm, I'm hoping the season happens. Uh, it, I, would, I don't want to say devastated if it ain't, but it, 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 it's borderline there, you know. Well, as as much fantasy football we as we play, and of course, being a football podcast, if there is no season, it's going to make yeah. for a long few months. That's right, one hundred percent. So, thanks for listening, everyone. Have a good night.